Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. So I'm Claire Taylor. I am from Scotland and I'm here visiting New Zealand as part of an Uffield Farming Scholarship. And I'm currently traveling all around the world and that's what's brought me to New Zealand. And I'm trying to understand how the farming narrative is changing. And a lot of that has come from my work as a journalist and for many years trying to understand the growing scrutiny being placed on farmers. When I joined The Scottish Farmer, it was a year after we had Brexit. I joined this paper because I wanted to cover the impact for farmers, what was going to be happening. So I really spent five years covering Brexit and um, changes around trade and, and labour movements. And, and within that, I mean, I covered everything from um, mental health was a big thing that I looked at. I started a campaign when we were there called Mind Your Health. So I, I talked to farmers about trying to destigmatise conversations around mental health. So that was a big passion of mine. But really everything from, you know, new policies that were coming in and just general news stories that, that were happening in Scotland and, and wider UK as well. And how are farmers coping after Brexit? Brexit's been very difficult um, for farming. It, it, so, so in Scotland, most farmers didn't vote for, for Brexit, but if you, if other parts of the country, if you move down to England, there was a lot more farmers that were voting for Brexit. And, and the reason for that is we were very much sold as farmers this idea that as we move away from the EU, um, the policy that, that um, farmers are receiving funds from, so the Common Agricultural Policy, at that point it was very outdated. It was stagnating development, innovation in farming. You were being paid for how much land you own. So a lot of farmers really wanted to move away and develop a policy that was bespoke to their country. And in Scotland, England, Northern Ireland and Wales, it's devolved policy. So it was a real opportunity to actually think, well, can we create a policy that can really favour our own conditions? So... Farming did think, as a lot of farmers thought, this could be a good opportunity. However, you know, now we're here in 2023, we still, we're not really far down the track. We haven't created a policy in post-Brexit. Farmers have had huge uncertainty and it's been coupled by lots of challenges post-Covid and obviously the war in Ukraine supply challenges. So really it's been the uncertainty of not knowing the next policy has been a real problem for farming because we were promised that we'd have a continuation of funding for so many years but we don't know what will happen in two, three years and it's, it's causing huge distress currently. With free trade agreements negotiated with Australia and New Zealand, how is that affecting farmers? So it's an interesting one, and this is actually part of the reason why I'm here in New Zealand. Um, so the main farming union in the UK has been very, very critical of trade deals of Australia and New Zealand. And they very much sold this idea that New Zealand farmers, Australian farmers could threaten our producers. And it's this idea that's being peddled in newspapers particularly is that lower standard produce um, is going to sweep our shelves and farmers here are going to be put out. So... A part of that fear is because farmers have huge regulations they face back home, whether it's on certification for their products, the input costs are particularly high. And I think farmers in the UK often think that we are the only ones facing high input costs and, and nobody else around the world has labour challenges or high input costs. So um, there is a fear that, you know, we're going to have higher volumes of products coming in when farmers here are struggling but this, again, is also because supermarkets hold so much power in the UK and farmers get very little at the farm gate. So they are, they are really nervous about any sort of change coming in that could undermine them. And it's being fueled by the papers and by the union as well. 
And there has been a certain amount of pushback against um, places like New Zealand saying, as you said, lower standard food coming in. What are they saying about New Zealand produce? So it's a really interesting question because I don't think a lot of farmers who actually know about the, the standards or the qualities of what, what's produced in New Zealand and those that have been to New Zealand because it's very popular in Scotland that a lot of farmers have actually spent six months to a year in New Zealand and they're huge advocates of what's happening. But it's often... We're very much so this idea, and I know this isn't specific to New Zealand, that other farms around the world aren't as strict when it comes to certain practices in abattoirs, when it comes to hormone beef, that, that sort of thing. So and people tend to sort of blanket brush everybody into one box. So New Zealand farmers aren't distinguished from um, Australian farmers, from American farmers at times as well. So I just think there's this, where does it come from? I think it's quite irrational, so it's hard for me to really understand it. But a lot of it is it sells headlines in the papers to really say that there's going to be poor produce coming in. And that's really just been perpetuated and that cycle has been constant. And I suppose this is where your study comes in, where you talk mm -hmm. about the narratives that yeah. farmers are putting out there, the stories that they're telling about themselves. Yeah. <laughs> what are you actually finding out as you go around the, the, the country, around New Zealand? Are farmers here telling a good story about themselves? Are they, are they able to get their message across? Well, so I will be honest and say I've only been here a few days, so I'm not, I couldn't really answer for the last few days, but I have been in New Zealand before. And when I was last here, I felt there was a huge emphasis on storytelling. And even that went through, not just from the farmers I'd spoken to or seen on social media who'd been particularly active in, in sharing their messages, but even through to the branding on packages and supermarkets. And that's something I really love, is to understand how are you selling your story to the end consumer? Because that's really what matters. And I've, I've noticed that even, you know, in the last couple of days, going around and seeing some of the beautiful packaging and, you know, the images that you have um, of the grass-fed cattle and beautiful rolling pastures. I mean, these sort of scenes and images of New Zealand and they're everywhere. People are really sort of supporting that. So it's been wonderful to see that. And good, that's what I want to find out while I'm here, is how are farmers storytelling? Are they engaging with people like yourself? Are they speaking to the media? Are they sharing their story? Are they going direct to consumers in terms of selling and whether it's direct meat boxes, that sort of thing? Are they engaging with their local government, um, with the national government in terms of whether it's protest potentially because they're, they're unhappy of what's happening in farming or are they just having holding meetings going to conferences I want to understand how they're engaging and, and a lot of that is through storytelling. And how do you think this study when you've completed it will help farmers? So this is a really important thing of what I'm trying to do and it is a journey it's changing but I what I want to do is to empower farmers to be able to be their own narrators of their own story because I think there's wonderful journalists I think there's um there's so a lot of people telling the story of farmers and doing it very well, but there's a lot of people who are telling the wrong stories. And really, it has to be farmers who are the most authentic advert for themselves. So I would love to bring examples from here in New Zealand. I've been to Zimbabwe. I've been to South America. I've been to Japan. I want to bring examples of where farmers are really being able to control the narrative so nobody else is writing it for them but they're doing it um, and the, for me how do, how do I get farmers to engage with that is by explaining that this can also be really profitable for your business because it's not just about you know spending all this time on storytelling if you're not going to make money from it so it's got to be profitable at the end of the day so I'm bringing examples of where here's a farmer who's being really successful with building their brand building their consumer relationships and making money and it's all for good storytelling so that tends to be where farmers will think, OK, this is something I want to do. <laughs> Nuffield scholar and farming journalist Claire Taylor. 
The Nuffield Farming Scholarships Trust is a charity which sends people overseas to learn from others and to help share ideas for the benefit of agriculture. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.